Yes, and here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here for what is going to be, no, that's not what we're doing there, what is going to be the fourth session of five for Mario Puzo's The Godfather. And joining me as always for this uh, this serial is Jay Dyer. Jay, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. I do have to sadly say that I don't think I'll be there for the last one because I'll be in Italy. So. Oh, oh, well, hey, listen, that's about, at least yeah. you're going to go there with a good primer. Exactly. I was just thought how fortuitous or providential the the topic was, you know, coming up with this uh, two week trip that I'll be over there. So, so what's your what's your itinerary? Just loosely, what's your itinerary? Are you going to be in Sicily at all? I think we do go to Sicily at one point. We're going to uh, ten different locations, so it's kind of planned out. Uh, I have a friend. Well, I have multiple friends from the area, and they have kind of planned out a bunch of different things for us uh, throughout the whole trip. So. 10 different cities i mean the big ones uh you know rome florence naples um uh, i I forget all the all the locations but 10 different places in about two weeks well that's going to be fantastic and you know i um that i guess the to to tie this into the book i mean there's a few interesting things really interesting things i love this particular section that we read here because not only does mario puzo as a writer check in with a few characters in uh, in, in just a really really great illuminating way i loved um i loved everybody's uh everybody's arc and how everything is being developing with the individual characters we'll get into that but um especially getting finally as we were saying last week the fact that we haven't seen michael that we've actually seen michael take you know disappear from the book and then here he is showing up right at the beginning of uh, i think I believe book five and we get a lay of the land in sicily to see what the the countryside the beauty of the countryside is being set up against how the government and the unspoken the unwritten government really play off against each other and there's trappings of operation gladio in there as well when they talk about post-war reconstruction and how a lot of these mafia chieftains were pretty much made uh made into the local government to be able to stave off the the, you know the the communists and everything else so uh there's a lot of there i'm sure that you notice in this one yeah this uh this chapter was great um you get this sort of well, there's, there's two different sections. So um, we we started with 20, which is the the, the family meeting, right? Big one, big one that day, a wonderful meeting. Well, I mean, it, I'm just trying to remember, did we do that last week? Or no, not? no, no, that's this week. Huh? No, that, that was part of this week's meeting. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, there's a lot in these first two sections, the, the family meeting, the decision that they come to, all the different dons arriving uh i I noticed one of them has to be santos traficante he's called tremonti right which is very close to traficante because it even says that santos traficante or tremonti had set up a uh large base in miami that's of course where santos traficante was based out of miami so so i i I imagine you could probably find uh you know, real historical characters from some of these other figures. We had um, Jew- the Jews were represented through the Cleveland syndicate known as uh, Don Vincent for Lenz's family or the Jewish family. And since we haven't really had mention of Meyer Lansky or Sidney Korshak, that would be my guess as to what that's referencing because they were so uh, close to Lucky Luciano. So a lot of people theorize that it was actually lucky luciano that's maybe the basis for for this because of that the jew the the connection to the jewish gangsters right yeah. so you had a lot of even though it's essentially a sicilian thing you have these associated connections absolutely you know the other thing i saw in there too that i i i was uh, i thought about what you had said last time we were together it, it was in the middle of the summit and they're just, they're you know just still setting the the, uh, the table is right after Anthony Molinari is introduced from uh, San Francisco, and they said there too the Dons uh, but did not alarm them in the slightest no more than they did California Dons had come uh, wearing amulets blessed by the Pope though it must be noted that some of these men were religious and believed in God and you had talked about 
um, last week, you just you noted that a, a lot of these, uh, especially the the, uh, the the decision makers, uh, many of them were Freemasons, many of them were actually uh, atheistic um, or or worse, and um, and I and I thought that it was pretty interesting how Puzo had to say that you know some of these men actually did believe in God, some of them did. So, uh, yeah, right. you know, so I was like, all right. That's so, a good point, yeah. Yeah, so I, that, that picked up on that one. But the, the summit that they had put together, that Don Corleone put together, is incredible. Um, obviously, this is a very pivotal uh, scene in the movie as well, but you get so much more here. It was great to get a, a lay of the land of who is there. Now I can't wait to watch the movie again to kind of, like, look at who's around the table. Yeah. Um, let's see here. He pull, uh, the, the speech... The speech that the he speech gave is amazing. Yeah. Yes, it's just incredible. Um, where what do I have this one? He paused. None of the others spoke. Some were smoking cigars. Others sipping their drinks. All these men were good listeners, patient men. They had one thing, other thing in common. Uh, there were those rarities, men who had refused to accept the rule of organized society, men who refused the dominion of other men. There was no force, no mortal man who could bend them to their wills unless they wished it. They were men who guarded their free will with their, um, with wiles and murder. The, uh, their wills could be subverted only by death or the utmost reasonableness. So again... I think that when you take a look at the psychological profile of these men and of course that 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 dueling that the dueling energies between the masculine and the feminine in this it's uh it goes beyond the actual family hierarchy and I just love that uh that primal nature of it all that keeps rearing its head. Yeah, we get this taste of the kind of uh almost militia like libertarian ethos of the uh, the Cosa Nostra that if you, you know, get into the history books actually kind of talk about that, like the, the John, the Davis book that I referenced last time, that's a pretty good history of the, not just the, the Gambinos, but also the origins of the Sicilian mafia. And it goes into that history of them being kind of the defenders, uh, against invaders of Sicily because Sicily had been attacked and invaded so many times that they needed to kind of have this, militia structure there um and then that evolves over time into this sort of secret governance which interestingly i didn't expect you know having read it in these history books i didn't expect that to actually be in the next section when michael gets his uh history course introduction to the mafia from uh is his name dr tazi mm -hmm. don tomasino and dr tazi right are basically kind of giving michael his uh introduction to the history of sicilian mafia as michael is you know in hiding there i yeah so. I, I, I also love that th th there is a specific garden scene that i had underlined there in those those uh in the opening salvo of book five where we finally rejoin michael and don tomasino um yeah. but i loved that scene where they're sipping wine they're drinking in, in the the um the seclusion of i think don tomasino's garden and as you said they're giving him the history that they say goes back centuries they yes. use the word centuries so i loved how the history is not only being given to him but it's an ancient one at that exactly uh, yeah i mean sammy said one time that he's had other organizations that over the years other criminal groups gangs would reach out to him and say you know hey you guys have structured your thing for like the last thousand years <laughs> could you tell us give us some pointers on how to structure our gang so yeah it's, it's a tradition i guess going back a thousand years in sicily maybe more wow i mean that that's just i, I love that aspect of it is nothing nothing less than fascinating um there is one thing i would like to point out that happens in the meeting as well in my book it's 278 but it is um it is the all of the literature. It's all the the uh, the text that would. I forget who wrote the scene. I think Francis Ford Coppola actually thanked this guy. Um, he didn't want to credit in the film, or so I forget about it. But he said if he if he did win something, thank me. Um, 
This scene, let me say that we must always look to our interests. We are men who have refused to be fools, who have refused to be puppets dancing on a string pulled by the men on high. That whole paragraph right there, maybe a little bit before and after, that became the pivotal, what I think is just a pivotal talk in the garden in the movie between Michael and Don Vito. That became, they needed a little something, and I remember reading about this, they need, there's something missing there. There's a scene that needed to bring Vito and Michael together, and that was lifted out of this part in the book and turned into that very, very loving. That, that's where uh, Vito is telling Michael directly w the aspirations he had for him. You know, whereas in this book, it was almost like uh, there was a little bit less uh, resistance to have Michael be part of the of the family business. In the movie, it was a tragedy for Vito that he had to take the reins that he didn't he wanted Michael to be a senator a doctor something like that so it was really interesting to actually see the source material which would become that very uh, beautiful scene right there in the middle of the summit scene um, let's see what else we have so that's what that's this is where uh, Vito realizes that even though he's got a problem with Tatalia the pimp, the real issue is it's Barzini all along that was backing everything, and um, and there you have it. The greater plan. There's obviously a greater plan being formed by Vito. It's like it's like uh, trying to figure out God's plan again. Where is he going? Like Hagen trying to figure out, starting to realize that that uh, Vito has a lot more cooking he wasn't uh that meeting was a lot more surgical and a lot more strategic exactly. yeah so yeah no i was gonna say the same thing i had a note to point out that the meeting didn't just have the purpose of creating the peace it also had the purpose of drawing out who was really behind this and then don corleone could figure out what he needed to do to ensure the safety of michael uh, and in trump since make the art of the deal so that everybody <laughs> benefits so you know he he needs a 360 win to use the alex jones term right so he needs to placate the families he needs to uh, figure out exactly who was behind the whole thing and then he also needs to figure out uh, a way to get michael back and this is where we really see don corleone uh shine as the as puzo even says with his stroke of genius especially when he utilizes the situation of the bochiccio uh, murderer as the yes. excuse for michael to come back so every so he really played these cards perfectly um from this meeting that is i'm glad you brought that up and i think it's bochiccio um I think it's Bokikio, and I. This is something that obviously you can't put all this into the the movie, obviously. So these are w incredible missing contexts for how did Michael come yeah. home? How did it come home? Exactly. So when you have this Bokikio guy who is now you know committed murder, and there's no way that he can be let off the hook. He's going to be put to, put you know he's going to be fried at Sing Sing Prison in Austin, New York, probably. He's going to be put in the electric chair um, for him to do a service to the Don and also cop to the McCluskey and Salazzo killings to exonerate mm -hmm. Michael. It's just a brilliant move, and obviously it's just something that you may not want to cut if you're going to write a screenplay, but it, it would take at least 25 minutes out of a movie runtime, so you just got to do those types of things. But uh, wonderful gamesmanship with that. I, I was like, ah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's <clears throat> he's showing himself again to be this uh, genius sort of tactician and psychologist, right? I mean, that's that's the thing that we didn't see in either Fredo or Sonny was this, you know, tactical skill, uh, not just in terms of planning operations. Sonny seemed to be kind of proficient in being a, a hitman who could plan operations, but not proficient in you know, the Trump art of the deal type of thing, right? right? And here we see, you know, Don Corleone really again being like a, a I wrote in my notes, uh, you know, Trump art of the deal thing. Cause it's like, you know, that, that's that's what he's up to here. Uh, and he, he played it really well. And um, yeah, I think this will be contrasted to, um, it's a contrast to all of the previous, you know, failure that we saw in Sonny, the, 
inadequacies and, and, and ineffectual leadership for Fredo, but who is himself seeming to also kind of have a little bit of leadership in Vegas, as we're going to find out. But uh, but yeah, but Michael is again more so being positioned again, I think, to be likened to his father, right? Yeah, he's already got kind of the 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 facial scar, which in literature, when you have a character who has you know a facial scar or a deformity or something like that, it usually points out uh, trauma or it's a symbol of the character having been through a traumatic event or it's a symbol of the character becoming more evil. Um, so all those are, are symbolized by this kind of a, of a image, but, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm just echoing your same point. No, no, no. And, and you, and you, you let us right to the next thing. Whereas Michael got his deformity in his face and Vito had his scar, um, Fredo, he put on the, he put on the, the leisure suit and he's become something of a ladies man out there in, uh, in Las Vegas. And, and for a while there, you know, it was really crazy because, out of all the people, I, I really enjoyed. I was I was hoping I got more on Johnny Fontaine in this, and we got a lot. But I never thought that we were going to get the chapter that we did on Lucy Mancini. Uh, exactly. I mean, I didn't I didn't expect that. I mean, especially since it really was. And who knows what the greater the greater aspect of all this is? Obviously, Lucy. Um, she was asked by Tom Hagen to keep an eye on Fredo. Um, but then, but then there, we just kind of follow her in her life after Sonny and how she, she meets this Dr. Jules Siegel and, um, he actually fixes her vagina. (laughs) He like, uh, he adjusts her vagina and, um, but, but then, but then something even more incredible happens there too. It's along the way after she had this medical, uh, uh, the procedure done obviously Jules Siegel we learn about him he was a you know bright young rising surgeon on the east coast he was found out to be an abortionist so he goes out to Sin City where the abortions are just like non-stop uh it's actually kind of sick and uh, sick how how uh kind of just wanton it all is and how they act with each other but um seems like he has some great affection for her but while she's recovering Johnny Fontaine and Nino come and visit Lucy to see how she's doing. And that is when just listening to the timber and the quality of Johnny Fontaine's voice, uh, Dr. Siegel says that I, I, I you know, pretty much I, I think I might have a fix for you. And they go in to his voice and they find that there was warts on his larynx. And who knows, is this, is, is this something that, uh, that, that revives his singing career? Because as we know, if this was based on Sinatra, uh, he had uh, a, a great revival into his 50s and 60s and even 70s. So there is, um, there's a lot there that you miss from the movies. Uh, what did you, you take from all of that? What, was there anything below the surface that maybe I didn't pick up on, on with this? Well, I mean, well, I don't know if you did or didn't pick up on it, but I was uh, puzzled by this chapter at first. Why are we going into this? Story of the abortion doctor and the, the big vagina lips that got to be healed up and tightened up or whatever. And uh, the more I thought about it, the more I, it made sense when you read the next chapter with Michael, because this is contrasted between was, the book is constantly contrasting people, uh, you know, Don versus this versus Michael, or and it's also contrasting old, you know, village Sicilian tradition versus. America and Americanism. And that's been rife throughout the very beginning, right? When the Don is asking Amerigo, you know, why didn't you have allegiance to me? You had your allegiance to America and the justice system in America. So Mm. you didn't, you know, you betrayed me. Now we're getting into cultural influences. And so what is the ethos of America? Well, now it's shifting for our characters here away from New York to Vegas, which is a rising hub of where the mafia would go uh, for a lot of their, you know, income in the next, the succeeding decades after the 1950s, it, you know, 60s and 70s would be a big place for uh, organized crime and for the mafia in terms of Vegas. So there's a big shift there, which is accurate historically, but also just the 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 notion of now we're getting plastic surgeons, and the plastic surgeon culture. Uh, is contrasted to right the way that Dr. Jules sort of mocks and makes fun of 
uh, Lucy, that she has this old world idea and she didn't even know about surgeries that you can get to fix this problem. And he laughs about her when she cries after, you know, sleeping with him because she has a conscience still. And he's like, you're so medieval and come on, you gotta, so this is contrasted to Vegas, corruption, decay, Americanism, the new culture, Sin City. It's contrasted to the old world ideas of, you know, again, if Lucy had been in Italy, she would have married an Italian man and had more of a traditional upbringing. Now that they're in America, America is this uh, toxifying, um, you, you know what I'm saying. It, it has this destructive effect is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And so now somebody who, you know, would have been in a culture that's pro-life, even if they weren't always faithful to that, the traditional Catholic upbringing in Italy wouldn't have allowed you to be marrying a, a, an abortion doctor. No. Now Lucy's attempt, tempted with that. It's contrasted to Michael's experience in the next chapter in Old World Sicily, where Michael can't even find a doctor who can treat his pain. And it, it would be a minor plastic surgery that he needs to be fixed. So his minor plastic surgery that he can't get is contrasted to the very sort of bizarre plastic surgery, I guess you'd say, <laughs> that she gets on her vagina. So, so you see the contrast here of old world, new world. We also see it with, you know, even in Sicily, the new world is invading because the mobsters that have been deported to Sicily are now a problem for the old dons in Sicily because they can't handle them, right? Yes. The, the new guys, uh, the young are, are these upstarts who are brash and they want whores and they want uh, drugs and the old mustache peats don't want that and they yeah. can't handle these these new guys so we're constantly getting an old world versus new world america versus uh, traditional life contrasted well the other thing there too is uh well i had also put this uh, little note for myself and somewhere in the, the, the the lucy chapter where you had jules and dr kellner talking to each other and and i i made the note that they're almost like dr frankenstein's mm. uh, I, I think they were they were um they were kind of complimenting each other on their work, especially their abortion work. And he should really come work for me. And, you know, it, it, it's like, you know, you're coming on up, kid, and all, all that. And like you said, the contrast to what's going on in Sicily with Michael and um, what's his name? It's Tomasino and uh, Dr. Uh, what's his name? What's the doctor's name in, in Sicily? I forgot his name. Uh uh, ta Taza, Tazia, Taza, 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 like the, something like Taza, that. Taza, that's it, Doctor Taza. The, the fact that he, his, you know, uh, credentials came from, what is it like, like mafia, like it's just like a mafia rubber stamp. It's not even like she, he went to the school. So where, <laughs> so yeah. you, you know, like he, he went. You have these amazing, uh, amazing uh, education that these doctors who have been very well educated in the U.S. that they're putting their their powers toward abortion and plastic surgery and over here in Italy uh, the mafia is just rubber stamping people who maybe in other situations would really love to help but they didn't have a lot of applicable skills and weren't even confident in their own abilities uh, definitely yeah. not enough for Michael to trust him with his fit to re-break his nose which wouldn't happen until he get, got home but um, in Sicily I'm glad to see that and yeah the courting of Apollonia is is just wonderful it's, um, oh, here, here it is. The mafia chief in Sicily, who had made a special trip to Palermo to confer with Tazo's, uh, Tazo's professors about what grades they should give him. And this, too, showed how the mafia in Sicily was cancerous to the society and it inhabited. Merit meant nothing. Talent meant nothing. Work meant nothing. The mafia godfather gave you your profession as a gift. And, you know... Uh, maybe as a bookmaker with Carlo, that's one thing that you could be given, you know, just, just running the numbers every football Sunday. But when you're given your doctorhood, that's, uh, I wouldn't even accept it. What the hell do you want me to do with this? I don't want to kill people. I just, it's, it's just nuts. Somebody in the yeah, chat. It seems like nepotism, like radical nep there, There's, there's a good side and a bad side to this level of nepotism, because on the one hand, the society is not really going to be that it's not, it's not going to function that well yeah because <laughs> everybody everybody's getting their jobs not based on qualifications but based on family and, and then it's like but at the same time you can understand why people would operate this way because the you know the logic of the traditional society is to is that you protect you and your own first 
and then everybody else down the road and down the line right so so there's pros and cons to nep to a nepotistic society but it's clearly in this case you know you're gonna you might have tight familial bonds but you're not gonna have good medical right <laughs> absolutely yeah no that's not, not good at all i mean a couple people in the chat room uh before uh, kate nagel said wart frank warts uh where would he have gotten those warts from in his throat johnny fontaine uh, that could also be a narrative on his sex life and of course there's you know in in modern day we know about michael douglas saying that the reason why he got throat cancer was because you know cunnilingus and then um uh I didn't even think of that. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. Definitely. Totally I mean, between, between that and the smoking and the drinking, I, think I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's all, sense. all those three things. Those are the three vices that the Don told him he has to stop, stop with the women, the smoking and the drinking, come here for a month and, and, and heal up. So it could just be a culmination of all those things. But, um, also we're, we're getting into, we're getting into, uh, Apollonia territory, but first they open up still describing Sicily not only from a geographical uh, and a terrain standpoint, how beautiful it all is, but what happened uh, socially. The fact that there are very few men left because they're all dead from vendettas and the women are just kind of, you know, left to their own devices and being ruled over here. And we have over here, when the island of Sicily was liberated by the Allied armies, the American military government officials believed that anyone imprisoned by the fascist regime was a Democrat, and many of these mafiosi were appointed as mayors of villages or interpreters to the military government. This good fortune enabled the mafia to reconstitute itself and become more formidable than ever before. So I'm asking you, Jay, uh, is that a loose reference to what would become more formally Gladio? it is yeah um i think prior to gladio what really sets up the stage set the stage for gladio being a possibility is this this situation right here in fact there was even an allied plan to um to have a coup government that would actually install a bunch of appointed mafiosi as the actual governance of all of italy mm. That, that plan, I forget which uh, State Department person drew that up or whatever, but that actually didn't happen, but it was a plan. But what it did do was allow some of these people, like this says right here, to become, Maviosi to become kind of leaders of certain areas. And it might, it might have even been Sicily in, the, in, the, in one of the texts, I can't remember exactly. But but yes, this is hinting at what would kind of, this is basically proto-Gladio, correct? Because okay. Gladio doesn't start, I don't think, until you got to get cold war so this is right after world war ii so we get a we're going to get into cold war pretty soon in the next few years yeah and then we're going to get the 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 plan by basically oss cia guys to utilize a lot of these people for what would become gladio so you're absolutely spot on yeah there's a, and there's a little there's a few other references there about um about what you know what's going on how it became a capitalist scourge and everybody was very anti-communist yes. not not that uh which i think is uh oh here it is uh what in the time that michael was good no that's not it well it said it says uh this is an important section which is again a hint at what you're saying people turn to their local uh maviosi for help in every emergency he was a social worker the, the <clears throat> district captain ready with a basket of food and a job their protector but what Dr. Taza did not add, what Michael learned on his own from the months that followed was that the mafia in Sicily had become, you saw it in their day, the illegal arm of the rich and even the auxiliary of the legal and political structure. It had become a degenerate capitalist structure that was anti-communist and anti-liberal, placing its own taxes on every form of business and endeavor, no matter how small. So now uh yeah it doesn't say that they're in the service to you know american <laughs> elite interests but that's essentially what that's referring to okay and uh so then i guess the rest of this is what we really get in this segment is we get the cunt the seat in the countryside we get the history and and of course even the um the uh the i always say the illusion of hundreds of years of history it's not just something that's been happening in the 20th or even the late 19th century but we get that in this scene we also get this passionate just really wonderfully wholesome love affair the this thunderstruck affair between 
Michael and Apollonia, the uh, the courting of Apollonia, the the interactions with the family, the how involved the family is with Apollonia and Michael and letting them get to a certain point and being very, very involved. And then, of course, just like everywhere else in this book, whenever two Italians get married, then it is literally, it is not ours to interfere anymore. She's gone or he's gone. They belong to each other. Um, it, it is a, it's so wonderful here just because it's, you, you get that in, it, in a smaller, briefer form. It uh, it translates in the, in the movie. But of course, this is... Uh, it's it, it's so much more passionate but the one thing that it's all broken up by is again whereas i'm going to look at lucy mancini different when i watch the movies again especially you know and i'll i'll just i'll watch three for the hell of it because of course lucy is a big part of three vincent mancini becomes you know he he comes on up and that's it um uh there's there's Lucy, there's Johnny, we have so much more. Even Tom, everybody, you get so much more of these people. The one person I'm never going to look at the same again is Luca Brazzi. I, I will never look at that character on screen the same again. Again, like we said, Jay, when we started out, this is a guy who uh, dominates the, the screen. He's massive, but he is humbled and nervous in the in the 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 presence of Don Vito, where you almost think like this is just a gentle giant who will, who will, you know, use his strength for a man he believes in. But when you see that he is a, literally an animal that has been tamed, that he, he got a, an Irish prostitute pregnant and then, and then forced this, this midwife that we meet in Sicily to throw the baby into a furnace. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, this is, that is like a nightmare. Um, so, and, and of course, that is the the story that nobody wanted to tell back home. And Michael got it from the woman who he, uh, he you know, traumatized for, I'm sure, life. She seems like she's never going to be the same. But that's what we get in this. We get uh, the countryside and the history, the passionate love affair that, that brews between Michael and Apollonia and... 100% Luca Brazzi, the, 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 the demon. Yeah, he's pictured as being possessed, and Puzo uses that terminology at least three times to describe him as demonic and having demonic ideas and demonically energized. And he commits an abortion, right, in, the, in a similar way to what's going on with the abortion doctor. So he's contrasted with, uh, or he's compared, I guess you could say, to the abortion doctor who's, um, you know, similar except that his demonic activity is acceptable right so we're looking at luca brazzi and we see him as a demon yet we didn't i mean i think he is supposed to be demonic but we're not viewing the, the doctor as a as demonic even though he's doing more killing than luca brazzi, it's, you know right? it's it's a great point it's, yeah. a, it's a great point um and i would say too that um the we also had the in, the intimation early on when uh, Luca Brasi came to the to the wedding at the beginning of the novel, and Don Corleone was nervous about dealing with him because he knew this guy's proclivities to fly off the handle and be like this. <laughs> so, so we kind of got a, a hint, uh, foreshadowing there that we knew something was going to happen with this guy. Uh, well, for the, for the very short going afterwards, because you know, uh, obviously the. Um the uh the mob out there they they know that that michael's there they think that they have killed michael but they really just killed apollonia um fabrizio is obviously the um the traitor he runs off Kahlo dies uh michael is thrown back apollonia is just vaporized and um and then he is taken back to the united states about two we two months later uh for don don tomasino a lot of his problems end uh, because it then becomes apparent that he was only having problems because they were looking for Michael. And everybody thought that Michael was dead at that point. So everything lightened up for Don Tomasino, and Michael was then safe, though he lost the love of his life. When he comes back home, the last chapter we have, it's a brief one with Kay. And uh, Kay calls up. She, she had been in touch with uh, Mama Corleone, and she called her up again, realizes that Michael had been home for six months, and uh, the mama is telling her, "Come, no, come by, come by, come to talk to me. And that's what happens. In the movie, of course, Michael goes and 
kind of drops in on Kay while she is tending to her school children on a, on a little field trip or something. But here she goes, seeks his family out, and that's where they get together. And she just, you know, she doesn't care the cost. She just wants to be with him. And that, and he was, uh, to his credit, very clear about one thing. Where the hell is my highlight? He said, um, "You might be very, uh, you might be a very young widow." They're talking about marriage here. He's telling her, "You might become a very young widow. Uh, there's a chance, not uh, much of one, but it could happen. And I won't be telling you what happened at the office every day. I won't be telling you anything about my business. You'll be my wife, but you won't be partner. You won't be partner in life, as I think they say. Not an equal partner. That can't be. So." Um, Obviously, when you miss somebody so long and you just you don't care, you'll take them any way you get them. I guess you make that pact right that moment. Obviously, as time goes on, she's not going to like the fact that she's always going to be on the outside looking in. But he told her that. So, you know, uh, you signed the contract with your own blood, you know, and that's where we've been. That's where we're left off at that point. Yeah, I think this is. Maybe a little bit of a stretch, but, and I know this was written in 1969, so Gladio would have been in operation, although not completely, um, not com- not really known, uh, except to maybe s- some few people that were perhaps involved in the operation. <clears throat> um, if you read the Paul Williams book, he really says that Kissinger was sort of the attache running a lot of Gladio to control uh, basically the entire Italian government at that time. And the point man in Italy was Licio Gelli or Jelly, however you say it, who was the head of all uh, Grand Orient masonry in Italy. So he was the head of the P2, the Propaganda Due Lodge in Italy. And what's interesting, again, is that the biggest uh, T-E-R-R-O-R event uh, in uh, it would be 20 years after the writing of the godfather is the bologna bombing and the bologna bombing in italy was you know basically the the nine big 911 event of that time it ended up uh killing 85 people and wounding 200 hmm. and that ended up being a giant 100 gladio event in fact eventually people were even prosecuted <clears throat> who were members of the what was called the the nuclei armati Revoluzionari, which was a far-right P2 connected uh, operation, and a couple of the people involved in that were again members of P2, answering directly to Licio Gelli. Um, so you now I'm, I'm just making the point that although obviously Puzo wrote this in 1969, and Gla- uh, the Bologna bombing, bombing happened in uh, uh, 1980, we kind of might be getting intimations of hits and assassinations and yeah. terror through you know b-o-m-b-i-n-g and we do get that in gladio and the most the biggest event was was this there were other gladio events too like the kidnapping of aldo moro <clears throat> aldo moro's kidnapping was a gladio operation um there's a couple others that i think people have identified as as gladio operations but the, one of the first books about the corruption of the papacy in terms of the assassination of John Paul I and that connection to Gladio and P2 was uh, the David Yallop book. And Yallop, when he wrote that book in the, a few years after, I think it was mid-80s, after the Bologna event, um, he didn't even know that it was... He, he knew that it was a, an operation using P2 and using uh, terror and using this kind of stuff, and that it was behind the Bologna book, but he didn't know that it was called Gladio. Because the D class or the, the people figuring out the name of the operation wasn't known until the 90s. That's when it was known that it was called Gladio. Hmm. But people in the 80s were already stumbling onto who was actually behind the the Bologna bombing. And so I'm just saying that this could be a kind of an intimation of 
what these people are capable of and the way that they would do hits. Does that make sense? Abs- what I'm a- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because what what's, what's, what's really starts coming out in these uh, in little dribs and drabs here is that whereas there are rules that you know where their neighborhoods where they all lived uh, in in the United States they were very clean, they're very low low crime, and whenever there was a uh, a killing uh, or whenever a button had to be pushed on a guy, it was very very directed toward the man. And it was never taking their families into account, anything like that. And what we're starting to see is a lot of those, in some places, those rules are starting to become a little bit more muddled. That uh, that that the uh, it's more so about how you can affect. You're getting into bed with governments. You're becoming the government in some respects. You're getting a little bit more geopolitical. It's becoming more like conventional warfare. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, so and, it, and a lot, a lot less like just hey, it's our it's our gambling racket. It's this and that, and we're just doing our thing and looking after our own. Uh, it becomes a lot more expansionist, and maybe because it had been uh, encouraged, especially post-war, uh, with how many of those um, those factions had been put to work by by the stay behind um, uh, military forces and all that. So yeah, I can see that being. Uh, at least a, a a precursor to something that would get much larger. Um, over here on the thread now, we're going to rip, rip through these. The ghost of Daniel Parker. Let's start with uh, Daniel Parker. He says, in chapter 23, there's an interesting comparison between the sexual desires of Luca Brazzi and Michael Corleone. Michael, as the more reasonable man, accepts that his sexual longings must conform to the bounds of tradition and marriage. His respect for Apollonia's father reflects his his deference to patriarchal customs. Luca's lust, on the other hand, remains unchecked. He engages in a sexual affair outside of the bands of of tradition. The purpose of adhering to tradition is to ensure responsibility responsible procreation Luca's disrespect of tradition results in an uh, in an illegitimate child conceived with a woman he despises uh, this unwanted child meets a gruesome end in one of the most chilling scenes importantly as Jay notes about the theme of maintaining bloodlines the mother of Luca's doomed child is of Irish descent uh, Freddie's sexual escapades fall somewhere between Luca and Michael's approaches well oh that's right I forgot you know the um that's right. Uh, you know, Doctor Siegel uh, and the, his abortion practice out there in you said fifteen of them were fifteen were, were Freddies. Yeah. Well, they were Fredos. Yeah. Fifteen of Fredo's children had been aborted by that one doctor. Like, yeah. what the hell are you doing? Again, uh, think of how contrasted that is to Michael's attitude with the traditional culture. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, Freddie's sexual escapades fall somewhere in between Michael and approaches while not a brute like Luca. We learn from the doctor that Freddie was in, has impregnated numerous showgirls who then seek abortions. His lack of sexual discipline paints him as a man too weak for a significant role in the family business. Uh, we get a comment there from NJSF who says, Good observations. The book can definitely be seen in optics of a discourse of the spectrum of morals. How the tra- how the trespass in one aspect does not mean total immorality. However, we can also see how choices do end up having consequences sooner or later. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Mava says, I find the behavior of the family odd when it comes to the treatment of Sonny's wife compared to his mistress. They all seem to fall over themselves trying to be kind to Lucy. New life in Vegas, Sonny setting, uh, Sonny setting making arrangements if anything happened to him, pointed in the hotels, etc. Whereas Sandra and the kids are shuttled off to their parents in Florida with a pittance and what seems to be no familial love or tenderness. It would seem that Sonny's wife did everything that Don would consider proper in her role, even even silently condoning physical affairs with other women. She provided children to the family and was all by, by all evidence in the book A Devoted Wife. Only thing I can think of is either the perception of possible benefit to the family Lucy could perform or yeah. an unwritten and unspoken dread of thinking about Sonny's tenure and demise. Um, I would never expect a rational answer in real life with criminals, but Puzo goes out of his way in the story um, multiple times to tell us how these people, mainly the Don and Michael, know they're in an underworld of sorts, but that they do live by their own code, which to them is almost their absolution for the terrible things they do to live in that world. It really is the only situation where in the book uh, we see such treatment. Uh, there is even a passage where the Don is telling Michael how to be able to say no to family. He says, you tell them no by making them think you're saying yes. 
What do you think about that? Um, I, I really didn't pay attention to that to, to even really form an opinion on what may have happened with Sonny's wife and, and if they really were almost like ostracized and sent off. Uh, why, why would that be? I, I didn't pay attention to it, uh, admittedly. Maybe that happened in the midst of the attack on Sonny and, and it was for their safety initially. Um, maybe it's a weak point in the book uh, story-wise. Maybe he just didn't think it was that important to let us know what happened to them. Um, but I think that, yeah, it's probably probably most likely the, the scenario is just that um, they were not as useful uh, as Lucy would be as a kind of a front on a spy. Uh, in Vegas. Uh, you know, and, and to add on to that, NJSF commented that as well, said, that is indeed an interesting point to be discovered in the chapters to come. It's definitely not a situation that these days are accepted. Lucy had a generous payout in freedom on the condition of silence. But like you said, Jay, she also was not only uh, helping to be a, uh, a pair, a controlled pair of eyes out there looking after Freddie, but before Freddie, she was also out there working a job as well. But Sandra can't really be in the same situation. There is no getting out of the family, no freedom possible. See how wanting, uh, see how wanting turned out for Michael. She has the children, therefore a closer connection of dependency was needed, almost like retirement. In a raw way, it would probably be different matter if Sonny had a boy of age at that time of his death, which could then be a soldier for the family. Both were swept away from all the action, one to fend for herself, another still with some uh, with some much more tenuous links to the family. So yeah, Sandra and the and the kids swept away to Florida. Obviously, they're going to be taken care of. That that's blood right there. Um, but yeah, Lucy is for the most part on her own to do do her own things. But she's not on her own. She's very well taken care of. She's protected by uh, the their their doctors, their lawyers, um, and they, they gave her a they gave her the share of a casino. No, yeah, she had some other role for kind of being kind of a money front, hmm. um, and that's why Tom had to explain to her when you get asked about the money that you get don't tell them anything. Nevada a lot laws allow for you to just say talk to my lawyer and we'll take care of you. So there's some, she, she does some kind of a function of being a way for her, for them to, to launder money or, or send money. Or I, I was a little unclear on exactly how that worked, but um, it's exp explained here that um, she'd been receiving a check for $600 a month in addition to the salary. Hagen explained that this money had to be shown as coming from somewhere. Uh, so maybe she's not, a money laundering front maybe i misunderstood that maybe it's just i don't know maybe she's just a spy i'm not sure but hmm. i don't know why the why would the law enforcement agencies be questioning her about you know six hundred dollars or whatever right right um it, it is a curious uh situation there i it's but I, maybe i should have paid a little bit more time i have a feeling this is not the last time i'm going to read this book just personally so i think next time i run cover to cover with it i'm just going to uh I'm going to pay special attention. Here's one from Katie Sky. She says the quote-unquote love that Michael felt for Apollonia was portrayed as nothing more than him wanting to possess and uh, have sex with a teenage virgin as many times as he could until she bore his children and became matronly enough for him to regret giving up Kay, the woman he actually loved. Or can men truly love women in the same way that women love men? Uh, well... Okay, let's just let's just keep going. Michael loved uh, Michael's love for Kay was described as being based on her sweetness, her intelligence, and the polarity of the fair and dark. While his love for Apollonia was described solely as being based on her being a teenage virgin with a smoking body and face. I didn't pick that up. Uh, there obviously there was there was there was a a physical attraction there, but I, that's uh, I didn't pick it up. That it was it was solely that. There was there was an intangible magnetism between them, and, um, and I think that yeah I agree with you that it's contrasting Kay with Apollonia because this is what is in Michael's blood right this is this is more natural to him is to, is somebody like her 
that's his that's his uh you know dna basically that's where he comes from and k as we saw in the beginning of the novel represents the foreign culture that they're trying to integrate into but also not integrate into to the point of dissolving and losing their tradition but a big point in the novel is going to be that that the new world dissolves and destroys the boundaries and the traditions of the old world so i think apollonia is not michael's not uh being sunny here um he just realizes that if he's not able to go back to america and to k then you know he's got to move on he's going to have to find you know somebody that 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 he loves here in, in in italy and so why why would you choose you know wouldn't you choose a younger woman who could bear you more children right that's traditional so i think i think it's just that she's just contrasted with k because she's the old world tradition that he kind of is drawn to yeah I, I i don't I, I guess i mean i i uh I, and i just read that this is very fresh in my mind because i read this last chapter today and uh, i mean i saw the uh, the build-up and their i mean i would have described it as love at first sight and that it was a, a, a kind of magnetism that he didn't have with k uh, and sometimes you feel different things for different people that you're attracted to. And it just, I don't know, it's, things are different. People are on different, exist on different, different frequencies. And whereas the, the, the love, uh, I mean, the, 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 the sex scenes were very, very passionate and vigorous. Uh, it is just because there was such a buildup. I mean, there was a, a week's of supervision and gift making and doing right by the family and a traditional wedding and i don't know i i well, think it, how yeah think how contrasted that is to Kay, right michael and Kay had already been sleeping in hotel rooms and they're not married oh yeah i, I mean and listen and then, yeah back her dad's like you're, you're gonna wait and do everything the traditional way so this is just again tradition versus new world Back, new world, new world. back home, they were going at it just as much as, I mean, the way that they described it back in New York, that they would just stay in bed all night, all day, and 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 do their thing. So it's not like uh, he wasn't a, you know, a ferocious lover in his own respect. But this was, I don't know, I personally didn't didn't pick up any kind of vulture like mentality that Michael had for Apollonia. Um, now, obviously, this is, this, if you are watching. If you watch the movie, especially into into Godfather Two, once he comes back from Sicily in 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 the first film, and he approaches Kay again, you can see that the he's already his life has been changed forever. He's been deadened inside. He is very very cold. Uh, the the last bit of affection and boyish um, enthusiasm for life. And the good things in life has been completely with, with that assassination of Apollonia. It's been completely taken out of him, because he comes back home pretty much a monster. And in in in, in Godfather Two, you see, you see what happened to him. The very thing that Vito never wanted to happen to him. He has been turned into a guy who loses his family. I mean, he loses it everything because he's just he's been deadened. And, and Apollonia losing her is a huge part of that. Um, now, the question here is, Michael's love for Kay was described as being based on her sweetness. We did that. Had Apollonia died over the years, would Michael have tried to pursue Kay? Would he have taken on a mistress? Since he seemingly only loved for Apollonia as her looks and her youth, I don't think he would have taken on a mistress. It, it, because of how closely related to Vito and his mentality he was. Sonny and Fredo were totally different. Michael... Is a lot like like Vito in that way, and in Godfather Two, you get a lot more of the mentality that makes up Vito in the you know you only get a couple of scenes in this that 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 create source material for Godfather Two and the throwback yeah. to early twentieth century. Um, well, notice that I'm sorry, I may cut you off. No, just <clears throat> notice that uh, Michael has not had a bunch of lovers. We're only told about. K and now Apollonia. So, you know, he's a monogamous figure. You know, Sonny and Fredo are not. So I think they're contrasted. And uh that that to me tells me that no, it's it's not just 
that he's uh, lusting for a young girl. I mean, because he's consistently monog- a monogamous character. Yes. Um, now, there's a few others here, but we are running out of time now. So I, I would love to uh, invite everybody to get into the, the thread and take a look at NJSF's work, which is always very thorough. Um, great, great stuff there. I uh, would also... Um, Dyslexic Angel, we'll end with that because it's a little bit on the shorter side. Thunderstruck, I now uh, know and understand what I experienced once and only once in my life. He was on his way to New York from Vancouver uh, to get his master's in architecture, and I was a young woman around 30 to be married to someone else, now divorced with two amazing children. However, I could feel when he entered the room and when he brushed past me, it was electricity passed through me. I've always thought that that maybe I made the whole thing up. I've always wondered what if and will never forget the strong impact that had on my life. I'm sad I never had a chance to see where this might have led. And yet I'm grateful I know I now understand what this is. Um, I'll continue to state I love this book, which feels more like a sociological study on the human condition. As I see nothing glaring or odd that stands out to me that needs to be dissected, I'm enjoying the story, the narrative, the beautiful, and I mean it, narrative on what it is like to be human. I see this book as a story on the human experience. Thank you so much for that. And Jay, um, that's all we have on this thread. And obviously the reading material for the last week, though you will be in Italy, is to finish the book. If you, uh, Jay, have anything that you want to leave us with any generalized thoughts you can either i don't know you can leave me a uh a video that i can play or you can write some yeah, that's thoughts. a good idea i'll try to send a clip or something of my i don't know thoughts. Two, yeah. two two to three minutes whatever or or some yeah. or you can write in the in the thread and i'll read it off but uh anything you want to say before we end yeah i agree with that last comment that it reminds me of dostoevsky he's very similar as a as a writer um not so much he's not obviously not a pulp writer uh but the human psychological depth that you find here is also in dostoevsky and i think that that's part of the reason why people find them to be perennial novels and and great novels i'm gonna have to read dostoevsky i've heard you talk um at great length about him and i uh, I, I have not touched any of uh, any of his work so yeah. Well, work. if you like this, you'll you'll love that kind of stuff because he he's really probing deep into the same types of things with these you know very sort of uh, archetypal characters and you know what why what's motivating these people and and why they develop the way they do. So it's very similar. <laughs> well, as always, Jay, thanks for everything and thanks for another great read and enjoy your time in uh, in Italy. Absolutely, thanks, Frank. All we'll right, be soon. well. Take care. Later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, it's just that's it. That is session four. Now, again, the 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 uh, the connection. Obviously, there's something so much more ravenous about Michael and Apollonia, and about wanting her. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how I. I don't know how negative I put that wanting. I mean, teaching her English, teaching her how to drive, which is unthinkable in, in traditional Italian, uh, you know, Sicilian uh, culture out there, preparing her for life back home. Who knows? You can only exp- only speculate what these fictional characters would be like if they were to, A, be alive, and B, living in another part of the world. But I didn't see it as a... Um, I didn't see Michael and Apollonia as a predator and prey. I didn't see it as predator and prey. It, it didn't feel that way to me. So, uh, so yeah. And if she was at disposable, if she was just a young lay that he really just wanted to possess and control, then I don't think it would have had such a deep impact on the rest of his life, which you, as you see throughout the rest of the story, which is, I wonder where it, it, it uh, I wonder where it goes beyond. Is this really the end of it? Is this really the end of the story? Was there nothing else that was written on this? Like, was the only source material for Godfather 2 only those couple of chapters that we got in there when Vito made his bones and he sealed his fate going after Finucci? Oh, man, I wish there was more. I mean, I have couple. I have two other books of, of uh, Puzo's, but I'd... Um, but it doesn't seem like they contain any Corleone characters. 
So I guess after this, it's just the movies. And don't worry, in November, November, the first, I don't know what we're going to have to do. These are long movies, so I can't play them on a Sunday night at 9 o'clock. We're going to have to do a Godfather marathon. When the hell would we do that? When would we do that? You guys got to let me know. Do we start that at 7 o'clock on a Sunday night? It's 7 o'clock on a Sunday night. We can at least get Godfather 1 out of the way, and it would it would end around 9.30, closer to 10. And then maybe the next week after that, the second week in November, we could do Godfather 2. That would be nice. Or maybe Sunday, Monday. But then that means it would have to start when my show ends. That's a late night for you uh, East Coasters. Anywho, thank you for everything. Next week we conclude, and it'll just be you and I. So with whatever uh, Jay Dyer contributes as far as general thoughts and wrap-up, uh, it'll just be me giving my thoughts, going through the highlights, and then reading you guys in the thread. Maybe we'll take a couple of calls. It's an hour. Um, so maybe we'll even take some calls. That Maybe that'd be a nice way to do a finale with just you and I. There you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for everything, and I will see you soon. That concludes Session 4.